Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it was a rough night for the UConn Huskies as they lost their as their 14 game winning streak ended as they lost to Creighton at Creighton, 88 to 69. And it just it, it they got off to a really nice start. They got started off up 11 to three, but I think this this game turned around when Klingon got his second foul because then Creighton went on that 24 to 12 run to go up 29 23, and they just couldn't miss from three. They couldn't miss from three. They were 14 of 28 from three-point range, a major difference from the game at Storage where they went six for 26. UConn was three for, I think, three for 16 from three-point range. They couldn't hit a three-point shot. That was the difference in the game. Creighton was able to hit their shots. UConn wasn't. And I feel like UConn was just bound for a game like this. They were bound. They had won 14 straight. Hurley has had a lot of trouble at Creighton in his time there. I think he's lost four straight times. He's 0-4 at Creighton. Uh, in in his in his in his in his career at UConn, so he's had a lot of trouble at Creighton. So this game didn't surprise me. This loss didn't surprise me. I, I mean, I, I still think they're the best team in the country. It just was a rough night against a real against a really really good Creighton team that w- was very close to making the Final Four last year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not that concerned. I think you brought up a great point when Clean got a second foul. I know Hurley called the flop, and it was, but they've been calling that all year. So you got to adjust to that. And that's, you know, you got to be able to adjust to that. It's game 27. You know, by now, you got to figure that out. But, yeah, you know, Creighton hit every shot. Spencer Athworth, again, he's playing a lot better. He's got a lot more confidence. He's really starting to come into a groove. And he was outstanding. And, yeah, you know, Creighton for a minute there didn't feel like they missed a shot for eight, nine minutes. The one thing I'd say, I 
the little concern is a lot of the threes that Korean shot were pretty uncontested, but they did run some really nice sets. They did a, you know, again, Greg McDermott's a heck of a coach. He ran Spencer or Cam Spencer and Alex Caravan off the three point line, and he made he pretty much just said, "Okay, I'm gonna let Kim Newton or Tristan Newton just go to the rim and have him shoot his, you know, hit layups. You know, as long as Spencer and Cam, uh, Cam Bear and Cara, Alex Caravan are not hit, killing me from three, I'll take that. And you know, again, heck of a job by McDermott. Luckily, maybe for the UConn fan, that might be the last time that you got to face." Greg McDermott at Creighton. Lana sounds like he might be going to uh, Ohio State or Arizona State, but we'll see. I see uh, Sanders time. We just can't beat them uh, at their house. It's okay. We move on to the next one and see maybe again in tourney. Uh, yeah, what's up, Sander? I haven't seen you in a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, we haven't, wow. haven't heard from you in a while, Sander. You know, haven't heard you heard from you since that you know Cowboy playoff loss to the Packers. But but yeah, at least you were better. Your, your Cowboys were a lot better than our team. You destroyed our teams this year, so you should be happy about that. Mm-hmm. But 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 yeah, it, it, to Xander's point, you just we have trouble against them in their house. I mean, we just got to move on. I mean, I still think this. Te- I think I think what we learned last night about this team. This team isn't gonna. It's not gonna be like Florida in you know '06 and '07. This is not the '07 Florida team who was clearly the best team in the country. I still think this team is the best team in the country. But here's the thing. I would not be surprised if they don't get if if they lose in the second round of the Sweet 16. They lose to like a you know a, a a Big 12 or an SEC team in the second round. I would not be I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be surprised if they lose in the Sweet 16. If they I still I mean I think this is this is the best team in the country. But as you said earlier, the last team, defending national champ to get to the second weekend was Duke, and they didn't even get to the Elite Eight that Duke team. They lost in they lost in the Sweet 16. So yeah, I I would not be I would not be surprised if this team. I mean, I think this team, yes, I think this team is the best team in the country, but I would not be surprised if they lose early because a lot of these teams that lost, that the defending national champs that lost early, you know, Villanova in 2017, uh, uh, Baylor in 2022, Kansas last year, they were all one seed. So I would not be shocked if this team does lose early, but I still think they are the best team in the country. Yeah, I'm with you. I still think they are. You know, and I think the thing that's going to help when they get to tournament is what we saw last year. Is they're just such a tough scout on a on a quick turnaround. But like these big East teams have so much film and have so much kind of history that they can kind of formulate a game plan. Like I'd be worried, I was kind of telling for the show, like a Houston kind of blow you up in Iowa State, you know, or like at big East teams. Like I would be scared to see Creighton or I think we match up pretty well against Marquette, but you kind of get the point. Like, yeah, you know, so in that Florida team we mentioned. They did lose three out of the last five regular season games. Like they did not play well down the stretch. Yeah, but I mean, in terms, of, in terms of in terms of how good oh, yeah, they were, yeah. like they they had their entire starting five coming back. This UConn team had two out of five starters coming back. Klingon didn't start last year, and, and so they they had, they had pretty much two new starters with Castle and Spencer. So I I think it's a, it's a it's it's the I they still think it's the best team in the country, but they're not by far the best team in the country. Purdue is close. Houston's close. Arizona's close. It's, it's it's very close. It's like it is every year. There's really no dominant team in college basketball, and I think you could say that about UConn this year. Yes, they won 14 in a row, but I just don't think they're dominant. Seeing two of their losses in the Big East were by 15 points or more. Yeah, you know, it was just a couple off nights, and, you know, that's seeing Hall 1 clean got banged up there. Like, that one, too, I just think after exams, before Christmas, you're coming off the Gonzaga West Coast trip. Like, I feel like it was a weird spot, and for what they've lost, <laughs> I think 16 of the last 20 conference openers, too, for whatever reason. They just 
they can't win a conference opener. I I don't know why, but um, yeah, I still think they're better than Purdue. You know, Houston, you know, be a little afraid to see Houston, but that wouldn't happen in the Final Four, more than likely. You know, that, that you know, that, they're, they're the national championship game. So, yeah, I still think they are. Again, they just have so many weapons where I think it's tough where, you know, and I don't know how many teams could do what Creighton did last night and kind of have two to be able to have two defenders kind of try to take out Caravan at Spencer and just let Newton do what he did. Cause that's the same thing Kansas did. That's, that's what I was going to say. They, yeah. They, 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 they used yeah. Kansas game plan. They definitely did use Kansas game plan where Newton scored a bunch of points, but it didn't end up mattering because they lost. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's a game that if they didn't play as bad as they did the first seven, eight minutes, they arguably in that game and Kansas did a bunch of jumpers. Um, uh, so C Sanders kind of here, best team in the country, but not by wide margin. The top 10 team could all be beaten. Nobody looks unstoppable. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, but no, that's the reality. Think. That's the reality of college basketball. That's what makes the tournament so fun is that all these teams can get beaten. All these teams could, all the, the top, any of these top 10 teams can either win the national title or not make it out of the first weekend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's always fun. The, you know, that's why March Madness is always the greatest three weeks of the year. You know, it's, it's craziness. And yeah, there's not that dominant team. And you're seeing every week, you know, teams are going on the road. These top ten teams on the road going down every week. It just, you know, I don't know what it is. I think, I think you're gonna see it a lot more with the conference realignment with teams gotta go coast to coast now. Like I think you're gonna see it a lot more where this road teams just cannot go on the road and, and beat somebody. You know, but um, yeah, it, it's very wide open. There's not that dominant. You know, UConn's still there, but. It, yeah, you know, I think they, they'll bounce back. And I think, you know, they got – again, Korean needed that one. You know, Korean's been playing better. They needed a huge marquee one like that, and they got it. So, UConn's played the game of their life on Saturday. They just kind of got that on, on last night. And Hector said, I'm glad they got this loss now to regroup and make the next run. This loss does not define who they are. No, it, it definitely doesn't. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a game – it's a conference game – on the road against the ranked team, a team that, made, as I said earlier at the beginning, at the top of the show, a team that made it to the Elite Eight. No, it it, 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 it doesn't define who they are as a team. I think this team still has a great chance of, you know, getting the number one seed. They still have a great chance. To be, they're probably going to be the number one seed at the Big East Tournament. And I think they've they got a very good chance to be the number one seed. And I think they should, still should be the number one overall seed with Purdue. If you're going to say this, I mean, I don't think this, I don't think, the, I don't think the loss Purdue had against Ohio State defines them. I don't think this loss UConn had to create and defines them. So yeah, I, I, I think that the, I think they're going to bounce back. They, they, they got a great opportunity to bounce back with college. We'll get to that game too, with college game day being there on Saturday. So I think they have a great opportunity to bounce back against Villanova and Seton Hall. Cause they got, they got a week, they got a pretty much the week off and they play Seton Hall. So, so I, I expect this team, even though they lost last night, I expect this team to be 26 and three going to Marquette in two weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know, you know, we'll get to Nova. They are starting to play better. Uh, but, yeah, they shouldn't. You know, I think it's huge that they get some time off here. They don't have to travel again for another two weeks in Marquette. Like, they're going to be at home for a while, which, you know, they'll have a week, they'll have eight days off after Saturday. So, yeah, you know, and you, when I saw the schedule come out, you know, in, in the fall, you know, these last kind of six, seven games, you kind of saw on the schedule, like, okay, this is going to be a challenge to kind of end the year. So, like, I'm not, I'm not surprised they're going to take a couple losses, you know. I know the Big East, like four through nine, you can kind of interchange every day, but the top three of Marquette, you know, you kind of create and, um, you know, are all really good teams. Like, it, it, you know, you take out Georgetown DePaul, it, it's a really good league, and you got a lot of really good coaches, too, that, you know, draw, I think have drawn up some really good sky reports. It's, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I, again, I, not very, I'm not worried 
at all. And I still think, you know, because again, they, I said earlier, when they get to tournament, they're just such a tough scout on a short notice. And again, I think that's such an advantage for them. And where, yeah, maybe, you know, because they just, you know, because you, you really need Newton, um, Spencer, Caravan, you know, Klingon. Like, you need all those guys to be off, you know, to beat, beat them. You know, like, Newton played well. The other two, you know, and Caravan and Spencer didn't do much. So, you know, I, again, I think they're going to be tough. You know, they're going to be tough out again. And, yeah, they should win the Big East ter- regular season. Hopefully, they win the conference tournament. Um, but, yeah, I, they're still they're still at the top of the list right now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They're 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 definitely uh they're 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 definitely at the top of the list. I, to me, they're still my favorite to win a national title. And uh, the big question is though, going into next week, is UConn still going to be the number? Is, is UConn still going to be number one after this week? I don't think. I think it's going to be hard for them to be. I think if Houston beats Baylor on Saturday, I definitely think Houston because that'll be a big road win against a ranked team. Which UConn? Let's the weird stat about UConn, which is really weird, is. They haven't beaten a ranked team on the road since 2014. That's such a weird stat because they've won two national championships since then. Yeah, it is a crazy stat. And, you know, half the time they, you know, were great. The American, they didn't get a lot of chances to be able to do that, go on the road. And, yeah, you know, they just – and then so far this year, you know, they've only had Kansas uh, to have that other opportunity on a, on a road game because, obviously, Kansas was, was neutral. But – um. Or the Gonzaga is neutral, but yeah, it, it, it is totally a weird stat. That's kind of the Hurley thing was you know, you can't win a close game now. Now, I guess you can make it. Uh, they haven't been able to beat a ranked team on the road, so now hopefully they can get that. I don't know, maybe, maybe against Marquette, they'll be able to uh, finally get that one off their chest. Yeah, and the big question is, is UConn going to be number one after this week? I don't think I, I don't think I even I, I don't I think it's gonna be hard because I think as I said earlier I think if Houston beats Baylor they're gonna be they're probably gonna be end up being number one that's a huge road win against that's a really big road win against Baylor and then on the on the flip side with Purdue I think even if Houston loses I think they're gonna they're gonna make still make Purdue number one which I think they shouldn't but I think Purdue would be would end up being number one because they have two pretty easy games this week against Rutgers and Michigan so. I, I, I don't think that UConn will be number one after this week, even though I've, I've said earlier that I think they're the best, still the best team in the country. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be Houston as long as they don't sub their toe this weekend at Baylor, which you know could be possible. But yeah, I, I think Houston's going to get it. You know, uh, yeah, I'm with you. They're still the best team in the country. You know, DP, like the polls, I get it. They do matter, but you know, you don't take too much stock in it. You know, again, the committee showed they had him UConn number second overall seed. I understand why, because of the resume going in the Saturday before UConn beat Marquette. But yeah, I think Houston, you know, it's going to get that number one as long as they don't they don't lose. Producing that Rutgers, I know they already beat them on the road, but Pico's done a pretty good job against Painter. So I know it's in Mackey Arena, but you know, Pico's had some success against the Boilmakers. So I wouldn't be shocked they lose. But yeah, they should. That's a Michigan team. That's a dead man walking at the moment. And Dwan Howard's lucky. They they won a national championship of football. Nobody really cared what's going on over there because that place is a mess. Oh, yeah. That team's an absolute disaster. I wouldn't be surprised if Dwan Howard gets fired at the end of the season. But we got to get to what's happening on Saturday in stores. And for the first time in a, in a decade, College Game Day is comes coming to stores this Saturday for the UConn-Villanova game. And here's the one question we ask you, Justin. Are you going to, are you going to game day? I might have the opportunity to go, so I might be there. Oh, wow. Nice, nice, nice. So, yeah. 
looking forward to it. That'd be yeah, cool experience. There are oh, only yep. three though. On yeah, game I know. So. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, because they lost to Pittsburgh in 05, yeah. lost to Syracuse in twelve, and then with, with the game Calhoun missed. Louisville. And then Louisville. So yes, they are 0 and three, but <laughs> I think they should break their 0 and three streak this year against Villanova. But yeah, I think it's exciting. It's weird. I've not really seen college game day go to many Big East schools since this new Big East was formed. I can't even remember the last time they've been at a Big East game since this new Big East is formed because obviously ESPN lost the rights to the Big East. But yeah, I, I, I don't really remember college game day really being at a Big East school. But I, this is nice for UConn. It just shows you, yeah, despite the loss last night, it shows you how much Hurley has turned this program around. Absolutely, and you are right. It's I. This is the first time ESPN's doing a Fox game. Uh, that they're going away, you know, spot that. So, yeah, this is odd territory. And if I can go off for the Big East for a second, they absolutely botched this because you could have had your own little thing here for game day, and they Big East just does a horrible job marketing the conference. So, um, and ESPN Van Pelt get Hurley on Monday night, Shaka on Tuesday night. Wouldn't it be shocked if Big East moves back to the ESPN? It's yeah. I, I starting to get those vibes because uh, they seem like they're marketing better than than the network that actually UConn's playing on. Right yeah, now. Fox has done a conference. Fox has done a horrific oh, job so ne- uh, marketing the Big East. It's and it's not it's not it's not been a it's a good conference. I think it's a top three or four conference in college basketball. But it's ever since you know they broke up in 2013. They broke. They've kind of they, they, the Catholic schools went on their own and formed the big formed this new formed this league in 2013. Yeah, there has not been much national coverage. I I I mean I know this film got taken off the air, but this that Divine Providence film is probably some of the most cover, the most coverage the Big East has gotten in the last decade. Absolutely, and you know what the Big East did? They sent that guy a season assist letter about it. So wow. that's instead of maybe trying to figure out a way maybe to actually use him to. To help your conference, but because that was the most talked about thing on Twitter for your college basketball Twitter for a few days. But oh yeah, yeah, um, it was almost, yeah, it was a so, national story. Cooley coming back to us, and that was marketed so bad, poorly too. Outside oh, of that yeah. film, Cooley coming back to Providence was marketed terribly. Mm-hmm. They should have had people boots on the ground in that place, at the atmosphere, walking around outside before the game, just you know, with the noise. And Bar- the, Barstool did, and, obviously ESPN. And yeah, Fox Barstool did. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barstool. I saw the Barstool stuff. I did. Yeah, Fox did nothing. They, I don't think they had a pregame show. They had nobody there. Yeah, like they got their studio out in L.A. Like it's 9 a.m. when they do. You know, yeah, it's a joke, and you know, it, it's it's bad. And the ESP, you know, and Fox absolutely messed it up and botched it. And you know, and next year the Big Twelve comes for basketball too. So you're already behind the Big Ten. Now you're going to be the third wheel. So it's not it's not great. So Biggie's got to do something about it. Um, but yeah, going back to the game now and game day, yeah, it's going to be, to me, awesome. Um, yeah, Hurley's, or Hurley's done a great job building this thing back up now. And, you know, it's awesome to get the national coverage now that they're, that they're receiving and it's, you know, obviously warranted and, you know, what the year they've had, the year they had last year going on that run. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's, Two dollar beer night as well, so Gamble is yeah, that place is gonna be tuned up, and I expect Dan Hurley will not be sleeping the next couple nights after last night. He's gonna have that team fired up, ready to go. And I assume he's probably watching. He's probably got the three uh, (laughs) other college game day. He's probably viewing and showing the team like we have not won this yet. Yeah, you know, doing everything he can because I don't know what's playing better, but you know, game uh, 
game should win. It should be a fun one Saturday night. And glad, uh, glad game days and be there. Kind of, you know, getting some pride here to the Big East because we mentioned it's, it's not happened lately. Yeah, and and and, here, and here's the thing about uh, you know, here's the thing about Nova. They've won three in a row, scored over seventy points, seventy or more points in their three wins, and their bench has been really good. Scored over more than fifteen points. They've shot. More than uh, shot over 10 threes in all three of their wins. So Nova is playing better, but this is going to be a brutal game for them. I know they're on the bubble. They're, they're still one on I think they're going to move up to maybe they've won three in a row. They might move to the, you know, the, the, the last four out. and They might move up from the next four out to the last four out. So that Nova has been hot. They've won three in a row. But this is a brutal, brutal spot at UConn for them. I think UConn bounces back. I think they bounce back in a big way. I think they win this game by double digit by at least at least 10, at least 10 points. They win this game by. Yeah, they should. I think it's the line's probably gonna be right around ten, I would guess. Um, so yeah, they they should. I think they they do bounce back. I think they do win this game, uh, by at least ten. But you know, yeah, you mentioned Nova the bench and guy coming off the bench of late. It's been Brent um, Housen. Uh, last night he had thirteen. He's he's shooting fifty percent from conference play. He's really turned on. Um, coming off the bench, he, he's been a phenomenal shooter. Justin Moore finally played well last night. I don't know what's been going on with him. Like. Since that UConn game, like his points per game, it's only been around four or five points. He looked a lot better last night. Um, you know, they looked a lot. They've looked a lot like I think there's a good coach inside Kyle Neptune. I just think at this point in time where he's at, he's just over his head, and I don't think that helps. And he and this is the comparison too, like the staff that he has with them are not great. Like they're Jay Wright guys, and Jay Wright coaching tree hasn't done well. Where you look at Hurley and they got the best coaching staff in the country, Kami Young, uh, Luke Murray, Tom Moore, like they got the best staff in the country, you know? And so I think, you know, Neptune could be a head, good, good head coach. I don't know if it's going to happen at Nova, but um, that first game playing, I thought they did a really good job blowing up their sets. Only, you know, you kind of only won by a point. Dixon, um, you know, was really good defensively. Again, he's going to cause problems because he's going to be able to stretch out and, and, and hit threes against Klingon. Um, but yeah, it's a game they should win. But um, I expect UConn's defense to play a lot better, and I expect you know Spencer is going to get it going. That the Cam Spencer is the type of guy after a bad game that he's just going to go. He's going to go off Saturday night. I expect him to play well. Um, but yeah, like the way Nova's been playing, I wouldn't be shocked if Nova keeps this thing close. But I just think the way UConn played last night, a couple of days off here, I, I think they're going to be able to uh, you know get Nova, and I think just a Saturday night at Gamble. It's you. It's it's a tough environment to go into and and, and win. And I think Nova's gonna learn that uh, Saturday night. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough game. I think UConn wins this by at least double digits, and I think they bounce back. I think, as I said, I think they're gonna be tw- they're gonna go to tw- they're gonna be twenty six and three going into that game against Marquette at Mark at, at, in Milwaukee uh, at, at the end of the year. And those two games against Marquette and Providence are gonna be two tough games. They're gonna be two really really tough. Be, I think they win one of the two, but it's gonna be really tough to win both those games. But yeah, I, I think that UConn definitely bounces back on, on, uh, on Saturday night, but we got to get to the biggest story in college basketball. And that is Rick Patino after their law, St. John's loss to, uh, to Seton hall. It was their eighth loss in 10 games, fifth loss in six games, completely, completely calling out his team, which I have to say for Patino that, that, that could not, he could not, that, that couldn't have been worse. What he did. That was terrible, terrible, terrible Rick Patino did to call out his team publicly to call the team publicly and saying, this is the most unenjoyable uh, experience is most unenjoyable experience experience in his coaching career. 
most unenjoyable experience. We so he says that, and then here's the one thing he says, and and the reporter asked him, "Do you regret taking this job?" And he says, "No, it's not St. John's. It's my team. You picked this team. Eleven of these players are yours. You didn't inherit this team. Those comments are disgraceful. They're embarrassing. How could you say that it's my team?" I mean, if you're a player for St. John's, I would not want to play for this guy. I am going, entering the transfer portal immediately, immediately. And I get he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. He made a humongous mistake, humongous mistake Sunday night calling out his team. 11 of these players, this is your team. This is your team. And you say, oh, it's not St. John's, my team. You pick this team, and then you call them out after the game. Have fun. Outside of Joel Soriano, it's his team. Have fun. Have fun having to pick a new team next year because most of those guys, I guarantee you, are going to be transferring after those comments. How do you go back? How could you come back and play for this guy after those comments? Yeah. Um, it, I, he's a guy that takes zero accountability. He seems like he really never has, which doesn't surprise me. It just, you know, he's slick You know, I've, you know, he's a great coach, but yeah, some of the off the court stuff is just unbelievable. Like you don't even like, I know everyone says, you know, the new day age, you can't say something like this. I don't remember. I don't think a coach would 30 years ago would say something about this, about his team. I know. I you know. know, like not, they're not laterally quick enough. Well, you've got most guys from mid majors. Like you got John Con uh, Conway. The guy was at VMI. It's, a, it's Virginia military institution. It's not a great program. They, under their old coach, where when he was there, they just take so many threes. They're not great. To, they're always one of the worst defensive teams in the country. You would think you would know that, but I, again, it's his fault. He ran off that entire team. Like St. John's issue last couple of years was not talent. Mike Anderson coached street ball. That Mata said about Pasha Alexander like January. He's like, yeah, he's he's never played help defense. He never played help defense at St. John's. He does not know the concept. That's what they. That's how bad Mike Anderson was as a coach. That team had talent. He didn't need to run off the entire team. You know, David Jones averaged over twenty points a game in Memphis. AJ Store has been a great addition for Wisconsin. He's averaging like fifteen a game. Um, Stanley at Boise is averaging like thirteen and seven. Like you, you, you can look through it. Like their guys are playing well other places. He could have had most of those guys and coached them up. But yeah, then to destroy them, not to take any accountability for himself. And I think he said Monday night when he said, yeah, I don't regret everything I said. I was making a point because a lot of these guys are going Euro ball. And if you have two bad games like they did, you get cut and you don't get paid. That's what he was making that point, I guess. I I still don't. I, 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 I can't believe he doubled down on it. That's the thing. He, he should have yeah. said I was wrong on Monday and, and moved on. No, he's doubling down on those comments. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you said it. We've never heard a coach completely call out a team like that. After a loss, I mean, keep everyone keep keep that in house, and it just shows you how out of touch with reality Rick Patino is, and how this is this is clearly clearly going to affect his team going forward. There's there's no way it's not going to affect his team. I'm telling you, most of the, all those kids are probably looking for a new school to play for. They don't want to play for this guy. It, it's 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 ab, it's absolutely absurd. Those comments were just could could not have been more ridiculous from Patino. Yeah, no, they couldn't have, and I think six of the guys on this team are out of eligibility. He has one commit for next year, so yeah, he's gonna have to at least find five at the moment. At least they do have one commit right now. Who, who I guess somebody did ask him, and he said, "I, I, I'm still going to St. John's even after the comments." You know, um, but 
Yeah, I don't blame guys that they want to get out. Like Brady Dunlap's a freshman. He came all the way in from uh, California. Yeah, maybe he goes back home. I forget his dad is, but his dad was an NBA player. Um, so like, you know, maybe maybe he would stick around. But yeah, it's just it's not a good look for Rick Pitino. Um now I think he wanted like if he had Georgetown or St. John's last year, if he had that choice, he would have taken Georgetown. Um, but because of all the past, Georgetown wanted nothing to do with him. But um look, you know, he's the type of guy, like, I'm not shocked he doesn't take any accountability for himself. It's a terrible look for him. Um, it, it's bad. And, you know, it's a guy, he's been complaining a lot this year. He complains about the NIL. Like, a lot of these guys, like, Izzo complains a lot. Like, he's getting, the Patino's gotten in that range this year of just guys who, I don't think they know how to do it anymore. You know, Izzo's still trying to do the same thing. And I know the media keeps trying to tell tell everybody that they're a good team. They ain't. Um, you saw Bayheim the last couple of years just complain about everything. The reason Jay Wright got out early, you know, Tony Bennett, I think, is the next guy out. He doesn't like the portal, he doesn't like the NI stuff. Like, he's probably the next one to go. Like, I don't, you know, a lot of these guys don't like it. And, you know, Bettina just ran about it and he's not a fan of it. And, you know, could have stayed at Iona. He had knew he had to deal with all this if he really wanted to, but, you know, I'm not shocked. And, yeah. And for them the rest of the way, it's going to benefit that they do have Georgetown two times still, then they still have the Paul, and they have Crane on Sunday, which could be a major letdown for Creighton because it'll be at the Garden. But, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked they quit. I wouldn't be shocked that Georgetown keeps that thing closed tonight or maybe even win because it, it is down in D.C. But, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked that team quits on them because, um, you know, they're not getting an NCAA tournament bid, and they're not likely probably getting an, even an NIT bid at this point. That leads me to this question, and you pretty much answered it. Can St. John's come back from this? And, I, and you talk about the NCAA tournament. Lenardi still has him in his, like, for some reason, still has him in his next four out for some reason. I, I, I really okay. don't get that. I don't get that after they've lost five out of six, and that one win was against DePaul, and they've lost eight out of ten. And uh, can they come back from this? And look at the schedule. I don't think they will. I do think they'll win two of their last five because I, I think they'll beat Georgetown once and DePaul. They'll obviously beat DePaul. But I think they definitely lose to, to Creighton. And they definitely, and they definitely, uh, they definitely lose to Creighton Butler, and I think they lose one of the Georgetown games too. And I think they lose; they, they don't even make the quarterfinals of the Big East tournament. I think they they lose in the first round of the Big East tournament. And 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 here's here's my thing: I think Rick Pitino's gone after next. year. I think they give him next year, and I think he gets fired. He has a disastrous season, and he gets fired after next season. I, I don't think he, he survives uh, next year. I mean, he, and let's be honest: if this thing gets really bad, and they like lose games to DePaul and Georgetown, he might not even survive this year. And it's crazy to say that. Him a lot of more. I, I think St. John's knows that he's their last hope if they want to recapture any bit of magic that they had with Carnesecca. Now I don't know if Patino's even going to get them to that now, but I think St. John's is going to let him try to figure this thing out a couple years. Um, I wouldn't be shocked maybe if he ends up retiring. I know he's kind of hinted five six years, and then he wants his son to take over the program afterwards, which. That should be up to St. John's, not Rick Pitino, unless unless he brings them a couple of national championships. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if like they lose to Georgetown tonight. I wouldn't. I just don't know what Georgetown team's gonna show up. Like, do they play hard or they have have they quit and they have the Paul on Saturday night, which that that should be a fun basketball game to watch if if <laughs> you like just bad basketball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. And yeah, I they're sitting there at the ninth seed. Whoever's sitting there in eighth. 
is going to have to win that game to keep their tournament hopes alive. So, yeah, if this thing falls apart off the train tracks, it's, it very well could. Um, you know, I would not be yeah, I would not be shy to see this team finish under 500. And, yeah, he's going to have a lot to uh, figure out this summer. I know he likes his golf, and I know he loves being right near a golf course, I guess. But, uh, you know. So maybe he did do it, crew. Maybe he maybe he just golfed all summer and just let assistants do the work. So I, yep. that that wouldn't shock me either. Maybe, yep. but uh, that's the case. He wants to be better. Then maybe he should do it himself. Actually, exactly. try to recruit these guys. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Things are not going for St. John's. It's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight when they face Georgetown. But a former UConn coach is taking over the Nets. But before we talk about that, we are going to hear from our friends at Annie Mac and Shamrock Home Inspections. Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live, human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com. Email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com or give him a call. 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345. Corporate NMLS number 338923. Any Mac Home Mortgage, equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC. DBA, Any Mac Home Mortgage. Lo-Fi Direct. Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent. License Lender Broker Number, ML 338923. Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923. Rhode Island License Lender. License Number 2011280L. Call for additional details. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. Alrighty, on Monday, the Nets made a move firing head coach Jack Vaughn. The Nets right now, I think they're twenty-one and thirty-three. Uh, they they uh, they are uh, in the eleventh. They're in eleventh place in the Eastern Conference. I'm not surprised about this move. Nets do fire coaches a lot. It just just goes back to when they fired Kenny Atkinson four years ago. How humongous of a mistake it was because now they've burned through two other coaches with Steve Nash and now with Jack Vaughn. And this is and obviously this is all the old the old the old regime when they had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant who didn't want to be coached and everything. And, now, and it's just catching up to this team. And now they have to fire another head coach. 
in Jock Vaughn. Yeah, absolutely. It's been bad. And they've been 6 and 17 since they pulled that off garbage on December 27th, where they benched their entire team at home against the Bucks. Or they played Bridges like the first quarter and then they benched everybody else. Like, you know, I know that wasn't all Vaughn. That was probably in the front office. But yeah, like, you, you know, used the nail on the head with the uh, Byron Kenny Atkinson. Like, that's. He did a great job that year. That um, that first year there when they had Durant. I know Durant was hurt that year. Uh, but yeah, that guy. You know, he he was. You know, think he was going to do a really good job with that with both those guys. But yeah, Kyrie Durant didn't want him. Um, and this is what happens. And is there another GM out there that has been able to pick like five different coaches? Because this is Sean Marks' like fifth guy already. I know. I know. <laughs> it did not crazy. do anything either. It's not like he's won. And been there for 20 years. He hasn't done anything. But, you know, it's weird, too, that they didn't trade anybody away at the deadline. You're going to do I this. I don't because they don't have a pick at yeah, all. Yeah, the year. thing is, is they, yeah, they need, they need to really like start getting some draft picks to rebuild this thing. I mean, having guys like Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson, you're just going to stay in the middle with those. And Dorian Finney Smith, you're just going to stay in the middle and not really get better. They need to tank now. The, the, the fact they gave up on the Kyrie and, and KD era last year, they need to start to think about tanking because they're just going to stay, you know, where they are if they just keep having Michael Bridges and, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Cam Johnson as they're uh, on this team. But they did they did trade. Yeah. I'll, I'll give them this. They did trade Dinwiddie. I'll give them that. That's a decent move, not a huge move. Yeah, I forgot they did trade that. They, they did trade him away. Um, But, yeah, like that's the only piece they got rid of and it that doesn't do a whole lot like yeah like even like when ben simmons is a nice player but like he's never he's never he never plays he's always never hurt a, never been a scorer either no he's not you know he could do everything else he can't score but yeah bridges is nice you know cam thomas that guy could you know really score the basketball um cam johnson's a nice player like yeah there's some nice talent here but yeah you know you're gonna be a middle pack team every year and you know for the net so it's weird that they make a ton of moves and you know Losing by 50 kind of capped everything off there for Vaughn to really, uh, you know, really put a stake into him there. And uh, we're the, you know, so I, I'm not shocked. And it's, yeah, it's a net organization that, you know, maybe going with Ollie now, maybe that changes their direction in the future. But it's tough to kind of do that right now when you can't make trades anymore. Exactly. And the big question is, is Kevin Ollie coming in as a head coach? Uh can Kevin Alley get this? T- can Kevin Alley get this team to the pl- to the pl- into the plan term? Does this change get them into the plan tournament? I'm going to say no because I still think even though Atlanta hasn't played well, they're still going to get that tenth spot. I just don't think Brooklyn has the talent to get into the plan tournament. Yeah, um, be nice to see Ali try to get them there, but yeah, with this, with even with how bad the Hawks are defensively, they just you know they do have Trey Young there, and I think Atlanta does enough to kind of keep Brooklyn outside of it. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, maybe one of the few UConn fans that's going to cheer for Ollie and hopefully maybe he gets his job and can do well down, down, down in Brooklyn. But, um, yeah, I still don't think they're going to get the play in here. And I think Atlanta will hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just don't think, I don't think they're going to have a winning record. I mean, I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy he's getting a shot, Kevin Ollie, but let's be honest. I know he won a national title, but he wasn't that good at UConn. I just don't see him being that good in, in, with in, in, with this experience uh, with the Nets. And the big question is, do you think he'll get the job? And I don't think he's going to get the job long term. I'm going to say he will. I think oh, wow. be, I think he can be a good NBA coach. He ran a lot of ISO stuff without NBA guys, as we all know at UConn. Yep. He seems like much more of a fit. Like 
I don't think he really liked recruiting. Like, I don't, you know, like, I think he, I know somebody that knows him that he, he played golf. They saw, yeah, he saw, he would see him three times a week during the summer at a golf course. Like, he, <laughs> I don't think he loved the recruit. Like, I think this better suits him. I think his style suits the NBA game better. So I know he did UConn dirty in that whole lawsuit thing. But look, you know, we're back to being a top tier program. We've won a national championship without him. I've moved on with it. I, again, I, I understand if UConn fans are still mad and still upset and don't welcome back with open arms. I totally understand that. But I know he's close to getting the uh, Detroit Pistons job. Probably good thing he didn't get that job, but uh, oh yeah, so no, yeah, I think he could. Yeah, that that'd be ugly. Um, but I think he'd do it. I think he fits being an NBA coach a lot more than he is a college coach. Wow, I just don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's he'll be the interim, and the Nets will bring in another new staff. I just don't think I. I just can't see him because he he was just not. Let's be honest, he was not a good coach at UConn. He won with Calhoun's team. I just don't see him having success in this situation, and he just doesn't have the talent either. I don't think he has a win. I, 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 I'm, I'm convinced he's not going to win more than 15 games as an interim coach, and I just don't think he has the talent. And I, I, I don't think he, I don't think he has the top end talent. I just don't think it's going to work out. And I think it's you're going to get a whole new coaching staff next year. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked that if that happens. I, I, I wouldn't. But um, especially if they don't make a play in. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think his offense runs. It's gonna be runs a more. He's ran a more NBA style. You've seen all these NBA guys. They don't work in college. They don't work at their all moders. But they still these college teams still hire him for whatever reason, thinking that the next one's gonna work. It just doesn't, you know, for whatever reason. It just, you know. And I know, like at John Howard and Patrick Ewing, they've made all their money. Like they don't grind. They don't have to grind out their recruiting trips like, like like some of the other coaches do that. They need the you know they need this job to kind of support their family. So uh, I know Ali didn't make it claim to be a long time, but he was never a star. But I I I just think it fits him better. I don't think he liked recruiting. I think he's this is a better environment for him to coach. And again, I, I still I think he could be a good coach at the NBA level. And uh, you know I wouldn't be shocked if the Nets end up hiring him here long term. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I I would be because I just don't think. I just don't think he's that good. And I think, I think it's going to be, I think he's going to go like, you know, you know, he's going to end up going like maybe, let me, let me say, uh, maybe like, you know, 10 and 18. I think he ends up, yeah, they end up getting a new coaching staff. I, I, that, that's just the way I feel about it. I just don't think that he is going to uh, be the permanent head coach, but we'll see what happens. And, and it's, it's, and, but, but, you know, no, but watching him for, you know, six years of UConn head coach, I'm happy he's getting the opportunity. Yeah, I am too. Um, I know he was an overtime elite there for a couple of years and, you know, got this opportunity here with Brooklyn and, uh, you know, we'll see if he can take off and run with it here and be able to get the full-time job. But yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy he's able to get this opportunity here and I hope he, he does well. And even the Hartford current Jim Calhoun kind of, you know, had kind of said, you know, he wishes, Kevin Ollie well and that you know he could get the job long term. So how how is that know, relationship now? Because I heard that relationship kind of deteriorated when he sued the university. Yeah, that that was it was it's been bad. Well, it was bad before even that. It got bad, I think, after he won the national championship. I think really he, wow. I think Ali's ego went to his head, and I think that was another part after he, but so I think it's better now. Like I think I think both privates moved on. I would assume Callens talked to Ali, I would think, but I think it's in a much better place than it was because Callum stopped coming. 
like if Cowan was yeah, never I remember I can remember early on he was at like every single game every, that yeah. first season that 23 the year they couldn't play in the tournament that 2013 season Cowan was there at every game Cowan was there all the time and yeah you're right he did stop coming yeah it was he was there yeah because he was working still in the athletic department it was like after the one national championship like 15 2016 I you never saw him there anymore yeah. you know and it's just that's even before really right around the time he took the St. Joe's job but you know, you never heard from him. You, you know, I know he's got to play South Carolina. Like, I just, it took, you know, I just, I, I think that's kind of when a Rocky, I think, because, because Ollie fired, yeah, because Ollie fired um, Blaney. He let go of somebody else, and Blaney stayed on with Ollie to help him out in the transition. And, yeah. you know, Blaney and Calhoun have a great relationship. And I think that's what set it off. Yeah. I think that's, because that's when Ollie, I think after the national championship, the Eagle went to his head that, he didn't need a George Blaney next to him to figure this out. Which he was wrong about because he ended up. He was. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't have Shabazz Napier in, exactly. in his exactly. backcourt either. Exactly. And the interesting thing is, are they honoring the 2014 team he coached? Because it is the 10 year anniversary. I don't think so. I don't think they are. Really? Wow. I know, unless something's happened March 3rd against Seen All, I know. Actually, I forgot to mention when they play Nova Saturday, Rip Hamilton, they're they're putting them uh they're retiring the jersey in the Raptors. Jersey. So okay. I can't imagine anything so coming Saturday night. So I don't think they will. But they don't wow. usually do ten. Usually it's because I don't remember because they did twenty because they did so they did twenty with Calhoun. Yeah. So I think they've only done like twenty. Because I remember nineteen they did ninety nine. So maybe ten years they'll do it again, but you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe by then the I don't know what the relationship with the school is in yeah. Ollie either. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's probably great. I can't imagine. So yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, but we'll see what Kevin Ollie does. Should be interesting to see what he does as the Nets interim head coach. We got to move on to some college football. And yesterday they approved the model. It is going to be five conference champions. that will get automatic bids. The top five conference champions get automatic bids. I think the top four conference champions get buys and then it'll be seven at large schools. And I like, I like this model. I do like, I really, I actually, I really like this model. And you know, if Notre Dame wants to complain about it, why don't you go join a conference? Why don't you go join a conference? You're going to complain about this model that you could be. Yeah. There is a chance Notre Dame could be the number one team in the country and can be the number five seed. But, but uh, if, 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 again, Notre Dame, if you want to be, you want that buy, go join a conference. Yeah. Yeah. They should, um, you know, the, the, the partial ACC thing doesn't work. It'll be interesting to see if they could, Hey, if we go five and zero against the ACC teams, can we can we get the invite to play in your top championship game? I can't imagine ACC will ever let that happen. But Notre Dame, maybe they try to pull that off. But I can't see them. They should join the conference, but I don't see that happening. Um, because I I forget what they get from NBC. It's a crazy amount of money, and I don't think they want to give that up anytime soon. But yeah, you know, I like the model. Um, it does make the importance still of the conference championship game. You know, that's getting kind of. They, you know, it'll be interesting with these big conferences that they because get in the old model, the conference championship game was like crucial in the old model. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely was. It, it was. It was definitely crucial to win it. Now it kind of. Now it doesn't really. I guess it matters to get a buy because, like, most of these. Well, especially in the Big Ten SEC, you're gonna, the the the, runner, the loser is going to get in anyways. The ACC Big Twelve, it's going to matter more because they're. I can't imagine they're getting any at-large teams. I, because I, I'm, I'm. Clemson didn't go in the portal again, so I'm all out on Dabo. Dabo, te, Clemson's, Clemson's in some trouble. They ever joined the SEC, and 
they'll they'll have a nice reality check down there. Um, but yeah, like you're gonna see. I just you know I think if they go to 16, that's when the conference championship games are, are gonna be phased out. But um, whenever that happens. But yeah, I, I I like the model. The group of five champ will still be in there. They're probably gonna be the 12 seed every year. Um, the one thing I'm gonna say about scheduling, which I, you know could arise, is they moved us so the now there's a national sign, early signing period day, and it's usually like this year is December 19th. It'll be two days before the Friday night of the opening round. Hugh Freeze even said this year he recruited on that day and he let his assistants prep for their bowl game. Like our coach is going to play that first weekend trying to prepare for a game while trying to close out their recruiting class. Like it's going to be a lot challenging. I'm going to, you know, interest to see how the teams do with this, but and some of those coaches, but yeah, it should be interesting. And the big 10 sec already as well. Their administration has already said that they want more money than the, uh, ACC and Big 12. So that that will be interesting how that gets played out, but it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting how this model works out here for for them. I just, you know, you're going to see SEC all SEC and Big 10 teams get those at large bids though. That's the thing. Yeah, you're not you're not going to see many ACC, you're not going to see many Big 12. We know the we know the Pac 12s dissolved. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of uh a lot of, you know, probably see Penn State in it. You'll definitely see Ohio State and Michigan, probably probably uh Washington, Oregon. probably or Oregon, or definitely Oregon. Uh, probably Oregon even more than Washington because Washington lost Penix and they lost their head coach, so you'll see them in it. You'll see, you know, Georgia, Tennessee. You'll probably see Tennessee in it. You'll see L- You'll definitely see LSU with Brian Kelly. It'll be a lot – yeah, you, as you said, it'll be a lot of SEC and Big Ten going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, you'll see it sprinkled in Notre Dame. I think this year they're going to be pretty good. I think this year they're probably – right around the top 10 like you'll, they'll probably be in this year um and they don't their schedule i think they're probably favorite majority of their games this year so they should get in but yeah it's going to be majority of that it's going to be interesting if people get tired of the same kind of rotation there of teams but that's kind of reality like there's 16 17 schools that attempt to win a national championship or you know are able to compete on that level so yeah it'll be interesting to see how it goes and yeah you're going to see the same rotation of schools and it's going to be weird and you know, I don't know how they're going to do, you know, if they're, I would assume they avoid conference matchups in the first round, but that would be something interesting to see. Cause I don't remember seeing a rule on that, but I would assume they try to avoid that there. Um, but yeah, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting if Texas go to like Ohio state on like a opening weekend or in the first round, having to play up in, Oh, you know, in Ohio State when it's 30 degrees and cold out, you know, like that's you don't usually see Texas have to do that. So it'll give a different element and playing those games on campus, I think, are going to provide some great atmospheres as, as well. So the first round games, those are going to be at the campuses. Yep. What about the quarters and the semis? Um, I think they rotate between all the New Year's Six Bulls. Okay. I think that's how they're going to do it. Gotcha. And so, the, uh, so when does it start? It starts in December, right? Yeah, December, the first weekend games are going to be Friday, December 20th, and then Saturday, December 21st. So, so. right when usually the bowl games start. Yep, yep. So right and then, after, And then yeah. the quarterfinals will be around Christmas time? Yeah, I think the 29th, 20, or 29th, 30th, like somewhere right around there. And, and then, then... And then the, uh, and then the semis are, you know, around maybe the first week of January? Yeah, um... 
yeah right around the first weekend of january yeah right or the second yeah like december 7th 8th something like that um where was it i know i had it and then yeah i think the national champion games like the 20th okay oh wow 20th of january wow that's that's gonna be really late really late yeah yeah so So if you make the national championship you're you're gonna be behind in recruiting yeah yeah because the next one is the last especially in the portal like that's gonna be interesting um that see how these guys yeah do the portal recruiting now and the high school recruiting yeah like that's kind of why you saw a lot of these guys uh you're starting to see phased out here so yeah it's it's going to be interesting uh yeah december or january 20th um is the championship game so yeah i wanted to make sure i had that one right gotcha gotcha so i think it's on monday well it's always on monday night yeah it's always on monday night i can't stand it yeah, it's always I can't on Monday night. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it should be fun though. Twelve teams, college football playoffs should be really, really fun when we get to the fall. But we are going to wrap up with Matthew Slater, who announced his retirement yesterday from the Patriots. A great career with the Patriots, sixteen-year special teamer, uh, eight-time All-Pro, ten-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he's a Patriot legend. The big question though for Slater is: We saw Devin Hester get into the get. Is, do we see? We're seeing that we're. We saw Devin Hester. He's going to get into the Hall of Fame this year. Is Matthew Slater a Hall of Famer? And I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's a Patriot great, but not a Hall of Famer. I think he is. Everything he did, special teams wise, he went through Super Bowls. He had what over 100 tackles. Um, you know, he's a leader on that defense. You know, he went through Super Bowls there. He's been a leader in that locker room for so long. Um, I, I think he can get in. I I don't build kind of Bill Robert Kraft Wolf kind of came out and said he should be. I think he had such an impact on the special teams, you know, because their special teams, I know the last couple of years haven't been great, but for so long, you know, he's a captain of special teams. And again, you know, they always talk the importance of that. And I think, you know, I think, he, he, I hate to say it. I think the Patriots stress special teams too much in this era of football. They probably do a little bit. They, they do they stress did. special teams too much. Then they probably did. It they hang out most of the time. It should have been more um, focused pretty, on, you know, building a passing game, which has been horrific yeah. the last two years. Yeah, that 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 was, you know, think of another uh Matt Patricia being the OC, you know, was the uh pillar of that one. And losing McDaniels was was a big hurt. But yeah, especially in the last couple of years was not was not great there. Um, but you know, I, I still think he belongs. Like nobody said a bad word about the guy. Yeah. Um you know, he's so I think he should, but I get it. You know, I wish his final game they gave him. I wish he got to play a little bit of offense because that game didn't matter. I because he kind of felt like it was it for him. I wish Bill gave him a couple of sweep or something or let him go run around, but you know, it is what it is. But I do think he should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I would say no, and here's why he played in an era where special teams didn't have as much of an impact as when Devin Hester played. Like Devin Hester's 2006 season gets him into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to say no because uh, if he's a Hall of Famer, though, then Steve Tasker better be a Hall of Famer because Steve Tasker pretty much had as good of a career as Matthew Slater. But I'm going to say no because he just – when they – when they to me, when they when they move the kickoff – when they move the kickoff uh, from the 30 to the 35-yard line, to me, special teams definitely lost its impact on the game. As it didn't, as the, I just don't think special teams is impactful as it used to be. So I am going to say no. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, the special teams isn't, you know, 
punting still is, but even saw in the Super Bowl, punting, punting made, know, a, uh, difference. It. It made a difference. I got it. I got it. Made a difference. But kick returns clearly don't make a difference. Oh no, they don't. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of feel like you're just waiting for him to get rid of that. But yeah, I, I get it. You you know that you don't think he'd be a Hall of Famer. You know, he just he just made such an impact in that in that side of the football. And you know, he made some huge plays. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he made some huge plays special teams wise. So. I, I think he should, but you know, I, I understand he is definitely gonna go down as a Patriot great, and nobody's got a bad word to say, you know, about Slater as well in that locker room. Yeah, he will definitely will go down as a all-time great in that organization. But that is gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for Justin and Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking about the Bears plan at quarterback, more UConn basketball, and any MLB, NFL, and NBA news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to me, taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.